what's good? What's good, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to episode five of the all-new Anhedonic Headphones Podcast 2 Electric Boogaloo. My name is Kevin Krein, and in case this is your first time listening to the podcast, allow me to catch you up on what's been going on with the first four episodes. Uh, I am the writer for the award-winning music blog, Anhedonic Headphones. This podcast is a extension of that. It is where I interview my coworkers from my day job about music that they like or music that's important to them and why. And we have what is hopefully a compelling conversation about that music. Before we get to today's guest, just a gentle reminder that if you haven't already done so, you may subscribe to this very podcast from convenient places like the iTunes Store or in Google Play. It is also available as well from the Podbean site, which is the site I use to host all of these files. Aside from being my co-worker at the co-op, today's guest uh, has a lengthy history involved with the now-defunct 400 Bar, a storied, iconic, hole-in-the-wall venue uh, in Minneapolis near the U of M. And man, oh man, did he regale us with stories of the acts that came through that place. Uh, so please welcome to the program, Jeremy Bishop. Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. No, thank you for inviting me. Of course. So um, you, how long have you worked at the co-op for? Uh... I think it'll be eight years this year in July. Okay. Okay. Because um, I think last year was my seven year. It's July is my my anniversary. Okay. So okay. Seven and a half years technically. I guess. Okay. Right now. Um, and before that, you worked at the four hundred bar. Yeah, I was. Well, I was at the the Contented Cow here in Northfield, which is what brought me to Northfield. Okay. For a year, okay. I was the manager there. Okay. Um, which stemmed from my experience at the four hundred bar. I was I was there for a decade. Is wow. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. And then I was at the Aloft Hotel in Minneapolis for a little while in that interim period, too, between leaving the 400 Bar and uh, and moving to Northfield. When did you... So what years did you work at the 400 Bar for? Because in a, your message to me today, you said it was all this one big blur. It, but it's a 10-year blur. It's it's a 10-year blur. It, it, was, it was kind of, I'd say, like 2002 to 2011. Okay. Wow. Um, wow. Off and on. There, okay. was, there was a year in that time that I, I lived in Bemidji, so I, okay. I, I, um, I wasn't really there for that year. But okay. Um, the rest of that time, I was pretty much six to seven days a week at the wow. whenever whenever we had a show. We were only oh. open when we had shows. We weren't a traditional bar that was open, you know, seven days a week. Okay. We were okay. just we were only open when we had shows. Okay. We were open from eight p.m. till midnight on the nights that we had shows. Um, so I worked a lot of those days, but I worked there during the daytime a lot too. I did a lot of ordering. I, did, I managed the staff for a while. Um, I was the de facto manager. I was put <laughs> I put on my resume that I was the manager, which is. Technically a lie. Um, I started. I started as a door guy. Yeah. on Wednesday nights. Yeah. One, one night a week. Um, started. I learned how to bartend there. I'd never bartended before. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I'd made plenty of drinks through my college years. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, but <laughs> the Florida bar was. It, it wasn't. A, it wasn't like a bartending school type of job. Like. You didn't have fancy drinks. You, you just poured beer. It was beer and whiskey. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was gonna say I don't see you like hand shaving ice or anything. Yeah, no, back it was there. it was rail drinks and you know it was, uh, and and we would just Tom Tom taught me how to bartend. Tom and a guy named John Talen, um, who worked with me on Wednesdays and Thursdays when I started there. 
Uh, and they basically taught me if if someone says something and you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. you just ask them what it is. And that was that was our bartending skills. That was our bartending life lesson. You have picked many tunes for the podcast. Um, you've picked eight. Yeah, I went a little nuts. I and you know it's okay. It's okay because Vicky picked like seven or eight on for the first one, and I didn't give her any prompting of how many to do, yeah. and she just kind of like went off the criteria from the list that I had given her of like talking points, and with yours. Uh, what did what specifically did you use? As did you use like favorite songs, nostalgic songs, like what kind of like things that you didn't like in the past, but are like you're like this is a straight up banger now? Like what? Well, I I, I kind of just I started I went through um, a lot of my collection. A lot of having worked at the Fornavar for for a decade, a lot of my albums come from either local artists or or more indie artists that came through a smaller venue like that. Um, and I have a lot of songs like like I I, I was contemplating some Leonard Cohen songs because I love Leonard Cohen. Sure, sure. Um, but I just started going through and I, I was looking at albums that I I listen to still today, but have for the last twenty years on a regular basis. Um, albums that I can sit and listen to okay. from, from start okay. to finish, and then I kind of tried to choose. You know, I I, I grab those albums and in, 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 in my mind in front of me, and then kind of try to pick out a song from okay, each that okay. kind of personifies that album to me. And some of these are local artists as far as like the Minneapolis-ish area. Yeah. Um but some of them are not. Yeah. So to begin, I you you told me not to put the like you didn't have a specific order that you wanted to go in and so I just put these in an order and I wrote, I wrote them out on a scrap of paper yeah. uh at the coffee shop earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I know the oceans must be welling up in your eyes Filling your heart With secrets of those western skies Blowing its cold sand Across your tender thighs Let those waves crash and break Apart the truth from the lies Sing about the stars, sing about the stars, sing about the stars. The first one I picked was Distance. So I know nothing about this one. Like there, Some of these artists I was familiar with, I had heard of them at least. This one I was not at all familiar with. So tell me about this one. So this is um, Bo Kinsler, that's okay. his name. Um he actually lived for a while in the co-op world. He worked up at Seward for okay, okay. a long time, okay. um, as well as his brother and his mother worked there. Um, Bo did, uh, when I started at the 400, I started, uh, like I said earlier, on Wednesday nights at the door, and then I graduated a few months in to Wednesday nights at the door, and Thursday nights I would work behind the bar with the John Taylor yeah. who I mentioned earlier. And Thursday nights for the first year I worked there, Bo played every Thursday night. Oh, he okay. A residency, okay. people call it there, um, or they call it there. Lots of places they call it that, but I was like, I think um, that's still a thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and Bo, uh, Tom was uh, Tom Sullivan, who was the owner of the Forner Bar, was uh, had befriended this guy Bo, who was an amazing musician, um, and Tom had started doing a residency thing with a guy named Mason Jennings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. years before okay. that, and Mason had done a year of Thursday nights, in which he built like his fan base, um, and so Tom was kind of trying to like. Or spark do that. the same sure. fire. Gotcha, you know? gotcha. Uh, and we were hoping with Bo, because Bo, uh, much like Mason, was kind of like a, a folky yeah, yeah. singer-songwriter, you know, and he he just had some great songs. Um, I had a hard time choosing the song I wanted wanted to put, but this one always stuck out during those performances. Um, 
but I started, you know, working every Thursday when, when Bo worked and I, I became friends with him and his bandmates, you know, Darren and, and Charlie, um, they just became good friends of mine and, uh, uh, we're still in contact from time to time. Is um, he still like performing? Does he still do things? Because I mean, the CD that you slid me to get the song off of is from like 2005. So yeah. I was like, is this dude still active now, or is that kind of not a thing? My heart can't love you like it did anymore. I guess this distance is stronger than I so. Sing about the stars, sing about the stars, sing about the stars. Sing about the stars, sing about the stars, sing about the stars. Lift your voice up high from where you are. Sing about the stars, sing about the stars, sing about the stars. Sing about the stars, sing about the stars, sing about the stars. So he married uh, a girl named Larissa who sings on this album with him, um, who Tom actually introduced them. Okay. Like Tom okay. actually, there was one night where Bo was down at the foreigner and Larissa was, Larissa was playing over at Five Corners, um, which is now the, uh, I forget the name of the bar now, but it was Five Corners at that time. Um but Tom was like, I need you to come down and meet this girl, Larissa Bo. I think, I think, I think you'll like her. And uh, they're married with two kids now. Oh, so. man. 400 bar, bringing people together. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, Tom, Tom knew a thing or two so from time to time. He didn't always know the best, but, <laughs> but he, he got it right that time. Um, but so Bo tried this for the year, you know, and he played yeah. and it never really went anywhere. Okay. Like Thursday nights were kind of, it was a lot of our friends that sure. came down every Thursday. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, Larissa was also a musician, um, and they they did some shows together. They actually, uh, if you've ever heard the story of when the the brick wall fell down on the front of the 400 bar, mm-hmm. um, it, it it came down. Uh, it was the year after the bridge had collapsed on 35W, so trucks were rerouted to go up and down Cedar Avenue versus 35W yeah, through yeah. that area. The rumbling of the trucks down a city street eventually shook the bricks on the facade of our building to the point where they eventually one night collapsed and fell. Uh, and it was actually Bo and Larissa were playing one of their last shows they ever really played the night wow. the 400 bar wow. fell. Um, <laughs> and we went, I, this I, I, is really like deep now. Like this is, there's a lot going on. It was, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was kind of a crazy, and I remember going around, it was, it was a almost sold out show. Um, Cause it was kind of Bo and Larissa were kind of, Larissa worked for NPR at the time. Okay. And Bo was um, kind of advancing his career at the club. He eventually became the IT guy at Seward. Okay. Um, so they were both kind of, seeking different paths than mm-hmm. music like yeah, music was still yeah. they were passionate about it but they wanted to move on with their lives and so they're playing this big show and all these people came down and then the front wall collapsed and i had to go and tell people can you please go out the back door and people were like can we finish our drinks and i'm like i don't know the, the front wall of the building just fell off so i kind of need you to leave because i don't know if the rest of the building's coming down or you know we're all gonna die or i mean i'll give you your five dollars from the door back but like <laughs> i need you to go out back but my drink, I'm not done. Yeah, no, they were they were so concerned. And then uh, later that night, Tim, Tim, this guy I bartended with, uh, and then Aaron, who also bartended there, but he wasn't working that night. We called Aaron up. And we're like, yeah, the the wall just fell off. Tom came down. Everything's like we're all done. The show's over. Like we're gonna go to the Triple Rock and have a beer. So Aaron came to meet us, and 
I love the the rumor mill of of you know anything. Yeah, we're sitting at the bar at the Triple Rock, and, and we heard someone behind us talking about. Did you hear that ten people died at the four hundred bar tonight when the wall collapsed and the whole building went under? And we didn't say anything. We just sat there and just drank our beers and kind of smiled. But you know, it, it, it no is, one no one died. It is too bad that ten people had to die. Yeah, ten people had to die for. <laughs> um, and then uh, Bo Bo and Larissa were gonna like repeat that show, like they were gonna have everyone come back, but I don't think they ever did. I don't recall. Okay. If they did or not. Okay. But anyways, Bo Bo played these shows, and uh, I kind of, I was at this weird like I was I was almost thirty, and I was at this kind of crux in my life where like I was like I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was working at a publishing house. Okay. Um, forty hours a week was a good job. I was actually probably working more like sixty hours a week. I was working on this this um, this IT program there, and uh, you know, wearing a shirt and tie. But yeah, I, I started working the four hundred at that same time uh, when I was at the publishing house because I just needed some extra money. Sure, sure. Uh, I happened to have a condo that was right across the street from the four hundred bar at the time. I was right behind Hard Times Cafe. Okay, okay. Um, my bedroom window actually faced the back wall of Hard Times Cafe across the alley. Um, and yeah, and and I I would go down there and uh, I I got to know Bo, and uh, I didn't really like my publishing job. I mean, I was I was good at what I was doing, but it just wasn't my thing. And Bo kind of convinced me. He was he was forwarding his career at the co-op at the time, but also like kind of pursuing this musical yeah, thing. And yeah. So I, it inspired me to like take a risk, and uh, I quit the publishing house mm-hmm. um, to try to pursue writing, which I've never really you know <laughs> done anything with. But I, I I still appreciate like Bo's. I remember many nights like talking to Bo after after he was done playing, mm-hmm. just sitting at the bar, having a beer with him, and, and being like you know like, what do you think about this? Or we just talk about all the arts and stuff. Um, and there were some of the other musicians that are on 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 the list were were also present there. Um, Benson from the Pines was oh, sure, around sure. quite a bit back okay. then. Um, who also works at the. I was going to say we we got to talk about that when we get to that yeah, song. When we get yeah, down to, to him. Um, but uh, this song "Distance" that I chose was kind of um, that was like the. I always remember uh, Talon, who it's hard to describe Talon. Like he, he's just a very gruff man. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very angry man but like very very nice like but also just kind of an angry man but like the song distance would come on and he would just sing it behind the bar oh wow okay so weird to see this kind of he was a punk rocker Mm -hmm. you know like yeah to sing this kind of like fluffy kind of i mean this is this is like a folk song like a very kind of like low-key and i know i know there's there's you know which i'll talk about with one of the other ones but there's very much a tie between punk rock and and then folk kind of rock like sure a lot of old punk rockers, when they get older, kind of become folk musicians for the most part. Um, which A.A. Bondi is what my example of that is, which I'll get, I'll talk to you later. When I have a small anecdote about A.A. Bondi too, but we we're, <clears throat> we're getting ahead of ourselves. I so I'll, I'll, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> it's not that good of a story, but.
So the next one I picked is Anytown Graffiti. Um, on the list, Pella. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, they. Are they, they are they local? Were they from no, Minneapolis? No, they, they're they're New York. They're New okay. York boys. Okay. Are they still a thing? Uh, they are called We Are Augustines now, <laughs> but they are exactly the same. Um, I had a really hard time finding like any information about them ahead they, of when this. they were Pela. They used to so they played four shows over my 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 time at the Four Hundred Bar. Um, the first the first show they they played, I worked, mm-hmm. and then my only one of my only rules ever at the Four Hundred Bar was anytime Pela came back. I did not work that night. Like I was coming just to watch the show. Okay. Okay. I, I just, after the first song, I fell in love with this band. Um, and they just came in and, and they were just, they were these weird, like they're a weird mix. Like they're not, none of them are alike, but they're like all old best friends, which is just weird too. And then they had, uh, I can't think of his name, but he was like, like they just brought him along. He, he like worked their merch table and uh, like, they kind of paid him to come along, and he was he was full of himself, and just thought the world of himself. And uh, Billy, who's the the lead singer of Pela, is is one of those like strikingly handsome men, mm-hmm. and like just well, that's what you want in a front man. Yeah, and 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 like personable and like fun, and yeah. like talks to you like he cares, because um, he does. But he always got the girls and then it was the, the joke was like they told Eric who's the bass player who I, I became the closest with in the band um would tell me that yeah we we bring him along and he always kind of gets he always gets Billy's kind of like run off like after the show it's like the girls that that Billy doesn't go for is, is oh what, what boy becomes, oh I think boy. his name was Jerome if I remember correctly <laughs> um but the first the first show they played there he actually fell off the bar stool and broke his tailbone oh god Jerome um, Jerome did yeah. Jerome's and, in the house and, and uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I can't. I, that might not be his name, but but anyway, let's but call him Jerome. Shout we'll out to Jerome, Jerome, the merch yeah. guy. Yeah, but yeah, he broke his tailbone. Like I didn't know that until the next time they came, and then Eric told me the story about you know like yeah, he's like he's like yeah, Jerome was like like the rest of the tour was miserable for him because like we had to go to the hospital the next day. Oh boy. And, uh, oh boy. But there was a very small group of people that would come to the bar um, to see Pela. Um, probably about 25, 30 people that were like, but every time it was the same, and like we were all like. Like we kind of felt like this, like cool, like underground oh, sure. group of people sure. who were like yeah. the only ones who knew. Yeah, and like we would just like dance and like have so much fun. Like, yeah, this is really interesting music because like a lot of this stuff you picked is like super folky, and then this is like really bombastic, kind of like really layered and esoteric I, I, indie rock. I chose uh, Billy also when he sings like it's it's sometimes really hard to understand him. Sure. Like well, most, like any good, any good singer, yeah. Most of the other al- songs on this album, the reason I chose this, I love this song, but mostly the reason I chose it is it's it's actually the song you can understand the most words out of. Like the the um, I think it's waiting for the stairs or something is the first song and it's like I you can't understand it and that's the first song I remember hearing them play. Yeah. And you can't understand. Is that unten- intentional? Sense. Just or is it how he sings or just the way it's mixed? Okay. Yeah. 
Why did they change their name? We are Augustines is the name now. What, like, why would you change your name so far in? Well, they only they only had the one album um, as Pela, and then I, when they came back, they came back. It was the first year I was in Northfield. Um, mm-hmm. They played a show at uh, the Fine Line. Okay. And my friend Tim, who used to bartend um, foreigner with me, called me up and he was like, he was like, hey, Billy and those guys are coming in. They're they're called like We Are Augustines now. Do you want to come up and see them? And I was like, oh my god, yes, that'd be great. And it was great because like they. They got a. They got hooked up with a label. Like, I don't know what label they are, and I have the album at home and a, and a T-shirt. I got that. Oh, too okay. Um, but uh, I should know the label. I should have paid. I don't like the We Are Augustines album as much as I like oh, the Pale album. Oh, shots fired. And uh, I probably should. It's just it's one of those things where like, I'm so obsessed with that album that sure. I just can't move past it. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Like I feel you. Yeah. yeah. And he they played a couple of Pale songs at that show. Yeah. And there was. Those same that same small oh, group sure, of people sure, that used to come sure. to 400 were all at that show, and it was kind of this weird reunion where we all like hugged and we're like, like because the fine line show was actually sold out. Oh wow, so it was packed in there, so it was like yeah. there was these like 25 of us that were kind of like we all knew before. Yeah, yeah, like, we're kind of the cool ones. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was great because like the guys came out like Eric, uh, who like I said was the one I knew the best. Like he came out with Tim and I, and we went and had a beer at another bar so we could like just catch up. Yeah. Um, and I at the time. When I was thinking of leaving the 400 bar back then, I was thinking about moving to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eric actually, uh, one of his jobs in New York was he was kind of like an apartment. That's me. I'm sorry. No, that's right. uh, he was kind of a, an apartment <laughs> manager in New York, and so he was um, he was offering to find me. You know, if I if I ever wanted to come out to New York, he's like, I can find you a place. You can stay on you know stay on one of our couches until you you know get your feet on the ground, and and I'll find you a place to to move into. So that was a plan for a while for me. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah. I'm in Northfield now, so obviously never matured, but um, that's okay. But yeah, they were just I, I I they were this band like I remember it was the third time they came, and I was down I came down to help set up the bar because I was just so excited they were gonna yeah be yeah and I, like I couldn't stay home like I just had to come down and I was just helping Tim set up, and then I remember like uh, Lily was was this girl who did the sound there and she she like came over to the bar and she's like yeah the the guys just pulled up out back. And I remember walking out the front door to go around mm-hmm. behind yeah. where, where the loading zone was, and like like the giddiness like. Were you um, starstruck? I I wasn't even starstruck. It was just like I like, like they had like these old friends that sure, I hadn't sure. seen forever, and uh, it was so great. Like those those shows were were some of my favorite shows. Um, they they probably weren't the best shows ever at the 400, but they were my favorite <laughs> shows. Um, and I was just I yeah I I just loved those guys. Yeah, and, cool. And, uh, and it was so cool when I went, like I said, when I went to that Fine Line show to run into Eric and, and to see Billy again. And um, I didn't, the, there was two other guys I didn't really know, the other two guys. That sure. Were, like they were kind of, like I said, they're all kind of weirdly different. Like Eric was super dorky. Mm-hmm. Um, he was into comic books and stuff, which okay. I'm into. Sure, so, there you go. Like we had this connection. And Billy just liked me because I'd get him drunk after the show. And uh, and he was just, he was just like a lovable, affectionate man who, you know, like just, he loved everyone. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Pela was okay. They were great. That's uh, I still have. Uh, I have a huge collection of. Um, I've saved over the years posters from from the live show. Oh, okay, okay. Band posters, and I've got like, I've got all four of the Pela posters signed by them. Oh wow, time. okay, cool. Even though it's the same poster like, every time. I was like, <laughs> is it su- suitable for framing? Do you have those like up on the wall? I I should I should frame those. They're uh, 
Strangely, they're just on a table in my garage right now. But <laughs> that doesn't seem like a good good place to keep your collectibles. Um, but yeah, it's I've got all these weird these weird old. I, I used to when I had the condo in Minneapolis, across the street from the Forner Bar, uh, my front room, which was like my living room where I had my mm-hmm. TV and my comic books and my couch and stuff. Um, I eventually covered all four walls with these posters, <laughs> um, just stapled up, you know, as, as, as like as like as like a college student, but I was thirty five, you know, and. Uh, So up next, so you picked A.A. Bondi, and it's been a long time since I've thought about A.A. Bondi. And the reason I told you I had a um, – is he's not from here, is he? He's not from no, Minneapolis? No, okay. uh, he's from East Coast somewhere. Okay. So uh, a long, 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 long time ago, like 2008, I saw A.A. Bondi open for uh, Boney Bear at First Avenue. This was like Boney Bear's uh, homecoming show, like – for Emma Forever Ago had just been reissued. Yeah. He was doing big things. He had like started a tour at like the Turf Club in fe- that like right when it was coming out again. And then by the time he came back to the Twin Cities in August, it was like he was you know the next big thing, and this was a big deal. Um, I remember. I I remember Justin from before Bon Iver. Okay. So and I. I knew him long. Ago. Yeah, knew, yeah. We were never close. Everybody I, has everybody I, yeah. has like a Justin Vernon story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, I, as being a early twenties uh, sensitive white man, I glommed on to that album. And my friend and I, my concert friend, because I always have to go to concerts with a friend because my wife is worried that I'm going to get killed. <laughs> um, even though people will say that like. I look so intimidating at concerts that nobody would ever mess with us. Like my friend is always like, no, you're going to beat the shit out of somebody. Like, I don't think we're in in any danger. Um, But so we go to this concert. It's AA Bondi opening for Bon Iver. It's sold out. It's like a big deal. The show starts late already. So I'm already kind of like, oh boy, here we go. Crowd is getting kind of rowdy. And, I don't know. It's like a Bondi. Like the like the crowd was really into it, but like I was not into it. And I was like, man, I like I just got so irritated. And then we got harassed by drunken frat kids oh, yeah, during Boney Bear set. And I actually had to escort my friend out of the building because he was gonna like fight this frat kid behind us. So like I just have like this horrible association now with both of them. Um, and I when when I saw the name pop up on here, I'm like. Oh, was he at that show too? Were you at that A Bondi Bon Iver? Okay, I have never gone to a, a Bon Iver. That's okay. Show, which I'm I'm actually kind of proud. I like I like his music. Like I'm not trying to like diss his music. I just I'm kind of proud being a part of the Minnesota music scene at the time. He kind of rose to prominence yeah. that I never actually saw him. 
perform. Yeah. I've seen him perform. Yeah. Not as Bon Iver. But, oh, but when he when was... He, when I, I forget the name of his band before, before he went off into the woods and became Bon Iver. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he had a band before yes. that, and I, I knew yeah. that band. I've okay. seen that band before. Okay. Um, so anyway, tell me why you picked... Uh, so you picked uh, Rapture, Sweet Rapture. Yeah, it's... From A. Bonnie's... Is this his first album? Uh, I believe it's his first solo album, yeah. Is he still a thing? Um, American Hearts is the name of the album. Yeah. Um, I believe he's still performing. Okay. Uh, this is, again, just like Pela, like, I'm stuck on this album. Like, okay. this album is is one of my favorite albums. Did he like, slide through the 400? Is that how you heard of him? Or yeah, he played okay. He played there three times okay. while, I was, while I was there. Okay. Um, I don't want to talk about Jesus. just want to see his face. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I just want to see his face. The trees are swinging like hanging men. And I just want to see his face. The trees are swinging like hanging men. And I just want to see his face. And rapture, sweet rapture. Won't you lay your played there before uh with his his again this is where i was going to go back to a lot of time the punks become kind of like these. oh okay these, is he was in verbena i don't know what that is uh which was his band before okay um which was a punk band okay that i had played the foreigner bar years before okay okay and he'd actually he'd broken a guitar on stage uh as you do as when, one does. when they were verbena and so uh we actually the first time he came through as a.a bondi Tom brought me upstairs and we went up and found found Tom had kept the broken guitar. Of course, because um, uh, A. Bonnie Scott was what I knew him as. That's yeah, his, yeah. That's his, it's not his actual name. I forget what his actual name is, but Scott is what he went by. Yeah. Um, but Scott had given it to Tom as like a kind of like a, a gift, like he really liked Tom, and uh, Tom had kept it upstairs, and so we put it in this 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 kind of glass case and put it on top of the bar, and so he came in and we didn't say anything to him. And it was like after his set that he finally noticed because it was this pink guitar. Like yeah, was, yeah. And, and Rubina's from the. I think I don't know if all of their their stuff was, but the two albums I know of theirs are both pink. Like have pink covers. So oh, pink okay. Must have been a thing with them. Okay. Um, but yeah, there was this pink broken guitar that we'd put in this glass case above the bar, and I just remember when when Scott like looked up at it, he was like drinking a beer after his set, and he like just looked up and he just kind of like put his head down like laughing at the bar because like. Tom, and then we never took it down. Like it, it was up there the rest of the time, and that was like more, seven more years I was at the Foreigner Bar that Tom was just like, nope, we're just leaving that there. Like, that's 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 now permanently up there. Um, But the second time he came, the first time he came solo, the third time he came was solo. The second time he came, he had made enough money off the album to pay a couple guys to come perform okay, with him. And okay. so he had a bass player um, who played a couple other instruments too, and then a, a steel drum player. And... uh it was it was weird because it's that sounds it's, it's, very strange. It was it was this weird it's not like a like like the Jamaican steel drum kind of thing. It was but it was this it, it had this weird like tingy sound to it. It was really cool. And they and he played with them, like the drummer didn't sit behind like they normally do. Like he sat right next to Scott and then the bass player was like right on the other side and they were like kind of equal. Like they were okay. just playing huh. together. Um and I that was my favorite time he played 
Rapture, I, I love all the songs on that album, but like Rapture is just kind of this. I'm not a religious person, but it, that song has a religious feel. Oh, of course, to me, of course. Um, and it's it, it it's 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 weird to say, but it's probably the most religious experience I've felt, kind of <laughs> like. Um, and I don't know if I I've never gotten to know Scott well enough to know if he is religious or sure. if that song is just something you know he put together as he put together. And rapture, sweet rapture. quiet man like he was just always really pleasant and again like i said i just got stuck on that i couldn't okay, stop listening yeah. to it. like like he was solo the time that he opened for yeah he mostly toured solo because yeah, yeah. he wasn't you know he he wasn't made of money so he couldn't really pay um having toured with musicians before i know i know that the money is not it's it's hard to like, I, yeah. bring people on the road with yeah you. i bet yeah yeah <laughs> okay um so m- m- plowing forward here uh jenny lewis and the watson twins rise up with fists now so jenny lewis of um camp beverly hills fame yes <laughs> it's a great film and isn't she also in the wizard or yeah i the think fred, so the fred savage yeah uh, the one where he's the the, the, the nintendo nintendo, star, nintendo yeah. propaganda film yeah um but also of rilo kiley yeah and now of solo fame um, but this is the one that she did one album with the Watson twins. Yeah. So this is, uh, they're gorgeous. What are you changing? Who do you think you're changing? You can't change things. We're all stuck in our ways. It's like trying to clean the ocean. What do you think you can drain it? Well, it was poison and dry. And I mean that in a sense of not just like purely like like they are physically beautiful, yeah, but yeah. like they're just gorgeous like as people too. 
Like they were so nice. Like they they were so. Such did they play at the four hundred bar with this? Or so did you we. Use... Uh, so the backstory of how Jenny Lewis got associated with with the show that we did, we did it at um, the Women's Center that's in um, not St. Louis Park, but uh, it's um, right south of Minneapolis. There's kind of that. There's that park, and then there's there's like a little string of like high end restaurants like right over Hennepin and. Um, God, why can't I think of what to, it's been so long since I've been up there? Anyway, they played they played the center, but we the show was presented by the four hundred. Gotcha, bar. gotcha. So we we all worked. Okay. The show. I think they still do shows at this place because I feel like people. Yeah, come it's where there. um uh, who's the, there was a, a, another musician who died on stage there. I did not know that. Um, I can't think of his name either. He was he was of shorter stature. <laughs> Um, and that had to do with his name too. Like I can't remember what his name is though. But he died on the stage there, years, years, years before. Okay, like, our show, I was like, was, you know, was your show haunted then? No, no, okay. it, 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 was, it was fine. But uh, but anyways, we worked the show there. So uh, uh, but Connor Oberst, the first time he came, he dated Jenny Lewis at one point. Oh, as one does, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so Connor, I didn't, I didn't know that they were a thing. They at some point they they were together okay. or they were. Sure. Who knows whatever sure. whatever it is in that world. Do you um, like Connor? Bright eyes. Do you fuck with I, bright eyes? I I like. Uh, I'm wide awake. It's morning. The that album. Okay. Like. Gotcha. I think that's it. That's a good album. I like some of his other stuff. Um, I didn't mean a, to. I didn't mean to get you off the subject. No, no, like, no. He's really nice. so. So he played the Foreigner Bar. Gave him some of his first shows in Minneapolis okay. before anyone knew who he was. Sure. Um, and then he started to get bigger, and he was still playing there. And then Bill, Tom's younger brother, uh was his tour manager okay. when Bright Eyes kind of took off and okay. became what they are, you know. And so Bill was friends with them and Bill met Jenny through that. And so then when Jenny Lewis wanted to come to me office, she wanted to do something special. She didn't want to play like First Avenue or she wanted to do something different. Okay. So she contacted Bill who called Tom and we set up this show uh, and she came there. And so then all of us who worked at the Forner Bar basically volunteered to work that night. Um, okay. And we did one other show at that center too with um, Anton with uh, uh Oh, um, why can't I think? What was the, what was the massacre in South America where you drink the Kool Aid? Brian Jonestown. So oh. Brian Jonestown massacre. That band Anton played also at the same <laughs> center in a similar show okay. that we did after the Jenny Lewis show. Okay. Um, but we we did this for Jenny Lewis. But I, I the Watson twins. I met them. I was I was kind of working security backstage. I was working the security doors, and uh, my friend Tim and I that I mentioned earlier would like we kept texting each other joke that like the watson twins were hanging out with us now oh right 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 and, yeah uh, yeah just kind of making dumb jokes like that but then i was i was um backstage and they were getting ready to go out and they always do like an acapella song together and it was uh her her then boyfriend who they also did uh johnny something was his name and she did a jenny and johnny oh yeah yeah i remember him. that album so i forgot johnny, yeah yeah johnny yeah. was there that's a great album too um, I forgot about that actually. And the Watson twins and the rest of the band, and they they were doing this acapella song, and I was literally as far away from each other as we are. Jenny yeah. Lewis was that far from me. We we're doing it, and I was just like amazed. And my friend Michael Morris was working it as well, and and you probably know. Shout Michael. out to Michael Morris. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Michael Morris. The Shug Knight of Northfield. <laughs> and uh, Michael Michael came around the corner, and he's like literally like he's like your jaw was on the floor, and. Because, like, the drummer was, like, drumming on his knees. Oh, wow. That's like, awesome. They were just singing. Like, the hairs on my arms were coming. And they sang Rise Up With Fizz. Okay. 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 Which I do like. It's my favorite song on the album. I like all the songs on the album. But it, that at that moment, it became my favorite song okay. on the album. Okay. Because I was just 
I felt like I was a part of it. Sure. What am I fighting for? The cops are at my front door. I can't escape that way. The windows are in flames. And what's that on your ankle? You say they're not coming for you. But house arrest is really just the same. This, this handful of fans, probably like 30 fans waiting out back by the kind of like buses where we're yeah, putting all the yeah, gear on. Yeah. And every time we'd walk out with like a case or a guitar <laughs> or whatever, like all these, all it was mostly girls, they'd all go, <gasps> and, and it was just see, you. It was just yeah. me, and then they'd go, ah. oh no, oh no. Um, but then Jenny, like 10 minutes later, like someone had sent word to her that there was these people waiting out back, and she came out back and signed their CDs or their shirts, or yeah, yeah, whatever, and talked to them and hugged them. And it was a very sweet thing. Um, she was super nice. Johnny was really nice too. Um, the Watson twins, like I said, were they were adorable. So, do you are you like a Rilo, do you like Rilo Kylie and like do you like her I solo do. stuff? I do. Okay. I like her solo stuff more. Okay. Um, okay. But I like Rilo Kylie. Okay. It's, it's um, I like. I almost. I was gonna go with Nico Case, except for because uh, I kind of I like Jenny Lewis and Nico Case kind of with the same in the same vein. Like they okay. kind of feel the same to me. But I had a personal story with sure Lewis. sure sure, sure. I, don't, I don't have a personal story with well i, I kind of do so bill was called at one point to go nico's tour manager broke his broke his knee and so he's going to be out of commission for a week and so she called she's old friends with bill too and she called bill up and said can you come tour manager yeah. for a week and i offered to bill i said can i come and be your gopher i won't say anything i'll sleep on the floor in the corner i just want to <laughs> hang out with nico case for a week and uh Bill was tempted, like, because he's like, yeah. "Well, you'll do all this hard work for me yeah, for free," yeah. but he's like, "No, I can't. I can't bring you with." <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hang out with Nico for a week and watch her shows. Like, that's, that's the only thing. That's my payment. It's just every once in a while I can say hello to her <laughs> and then watch her shows for free. Stolen dark 
sweater on my floor This sugar board, it is empty dry Manifesto, do or die Wrote for you, left outside your door So next up, you have the Pines. There's Benson for us. So this is from their very first album, which is very old. It is. And I did not realize that they had been a band for this long. Um, So first and foremost, uh, one of the would would you call them co-front men? Is he? Yeah, I I mean, does he share duties? David 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 Huckfeld is is the other half of the Pines. Okay. Kind of the other third now. Benson's younger brother. Okay. Okay. Um, is also okay. Been a long, long-term member. He wasn't. Okay. He was probably still in middle school. Well, because they were. I know that they started out as a duo and then yeah. they expanded. Um. So Benson Ramsey, half of the Pines, now works with us at the co-op. So are you like? I mean, if you knew him from before, yeah. It's you're probably not like whoa, brush with fame, but like. When he started working there, I was like, "Oh, that's the guy from the Pines." Yeah. So are the Pines still a band? They are. They are. Okay. Uh, I mean, Benson. Benson moved to Northfield. Yeah. Um, I was actually I was I was oh, I was walking past the cheese case one day and he was shopping in the cheese case like two years ago. Yeah. And I was just like, Benson. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, hey, Jeremy," and I'm like, "What the hell are you doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, I live here in Northfield." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, and uh, but um. Yeah, he used to play the foreigner um, in kind of my early my early days working there were his his early days. Like okay, him and David had just come up from Iowa. Okay, um, David lives, I think David lives in Minneapolis now, but he was in Chicago I think for a while. Um, they've kind of uh, Benson described to me as is they kind of just got tired of a lot of touring. Okay, um, so they're still a band. They're still making music. They still play shows when kind of when necessary okay like for events or for okay. things like that okay. but they're not they're not touring like they used to okay um and i'm not sure what I, david i think is still touring solo i think i saw something recently that he just put out a solo album yeah i they and, and benson at one point was working on a solo album which i actually think actually became half of one of the pines okay albums. okay um i interviewed benson over the phone once when i still worked at the paper because the pines were putting out an album and they were doing I think a show at the Arts Guild, yeah, like they, the Four Eleven show, yep. and so I was when I was writing the arts and entertainment stories, I got in touch with him, and I think I I interviewed him over the phone, and I don't think he knows that that was me, <laughs> and I haven't, like I haven't wanted to be like, hey, remember a conversation you had a couple of years ago with a intrepid reporter yeah. from the Northfield News, because he would probably be like, no, yeah. I'd be like, oh, because that was me, <laughs> glad I made such an impression. So you've been repping the Pines since like the very beginning, then. Yeah, I, playing at the four hundred. Well, so I that was one of the early shows before I worked there. This is when I was only working a couple nights. Yeah, a week. yeah, yeah, yeah. They played a show, and uh, Tim mm-hmm. said like you should come check these guys out. Okay. Like they're great. I think they'd already played one show there that I hadn't seen. Okay. So this might be their second or third show there okay. potentially. And uh, 
I came. There was a bunch of people there, and, and it, it, the music was okay. Like, <laughs> I, it was, no, it was it was good. I just didn't. I I didn't. I wasn't like paying that much attention to it because there was this this girl uh, that I worked with at the publishing house named Megan that I had a crush on. Okay. Tim had also invited to the show because Tim was friends with her. So uh-huh. I kind of had a crush on her. Oh, shout so out to like Megan. Kind of focusing on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, like, she really liked the Pines. Okay. And I remember I went back to the merch table and they had this album, um, which I did find now. Uh, gotcha. It's in, It was in the trunk of my car in this box of, of CDs. Of course it was. Um, I'm glad that you also drive around with a trunk, of, uh, trunk full of CDs because yeah. my friend Scott does that. Shout out to Scott. Um, <laughs> he totally has, like, a big box of CDs in his trunk, and I don't know why. It seems like a logical place he, to keep them. he does. Yeah. Um, but, so Megan had liked them, so I kind of, like, bought the album to try to, like, impress her. Gotcha. I, I don't know how I thought that was impressing her, but... It made sense to my mind at that time. When Did you, was, you know, were like, you going to give it to her or were you just going to be like, hey, I bought this album. It's I good. Think I, if, I think I actually bought her one too. Okay. Like, to impress her. And then I was like, oh, I'll buy one for myself too. Sure. Uh, but then I remember going home and listening to it and being like, oh, like, oh, I like, oh, I like this. <laughs> like, this is good. Oh, man, I can't see color, baby. I just see shades. Can't see love. I just see. Like, no one else knows. Well, it takes a while to do that. Like, Um, 
but if they, you really wanted in tune, yeah, yeah. But it was it was it was hard to watch, and so like they both kind of knew that they were that way, and 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 David had shown up just randomly that night. Like he he wasn't intending to come down. I think he was just in the neighborhood, and he stopped in. And uh, I was like, Joe and Michael are up next. Like they're like still getting their guitars ready. Will you like? play a song and, and Dave's like, yeah, I'll just get up and play a song. And, and I went and asked Michael and he's like, yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, let David go first. I'm still tuning my guitar. And then David got up, didn't tune his guitar at all. And of course played like the most amazing Dylan cover like you've ever heard. I can't remember what song that he played, but it was like, like breathtaking. Like the whole room was like holding their breath. Like it was just was like this shock. And then Michael's just like, shit, <laughs> like I got to get up and play a song now. And it's, even if it's the best performance of my life, nowhere near as good as david's <laughs> like, at least his guitar is in tune <laughs> excuse me yes at least is in tune but but anyway that, the, the pines were just uh they, they became friends of mine over the years and uh i'd love to go see him and uh alex became a part of their band um benson's younger brother and then uh this guy michael uh rosetto who's from minneapolis who's in a, a band called the spaghetti western string quartet um, also played with them a lot. Okay, so what made you pick um, "Pale White Horse" off of this album? I just I, I like that I like that song a lot. Um, I like the whole album. Okay, um, I just that that one just kind of I don't know. I think I think it's David singing in that song. Sure. Actually. Okay. Um, because I think on that album, I think it actually goes every other song is kind of one is Benson and the okay. next one is David. Okay. Okay. In, in kind of in the lead, they sing together gotcha. sometimes yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I just I. I I like that whole album, but that song is kind of representative to me of that album. Like it's it's a it's just a strong song. Okay, okay. We're heading into the home stretch here. Now you picked two songs by Caroline Smith. Yeah, she is local, right, from Minneapolis. She was, yeah. Okay, uh, not she anymore. Went, she went to this. She went to school at the University of Minnesota, okay. which was the time she started playing at the 400 Bar. She okay. was a student at the U of M. Okay. Um, she's Minnesota. I forget because her mom was always at, at the shows too. Okay. Um, so she's here. 
I don't remember what she's a suburb girl. Okay. So I just I I recognize the name of of her name and the band name. Um, when you sent me the list that you wanted to do, these are both from the same album, and I noticed that they this both songs you picked are um things you do they are activities like one is called tying my shoes and the other is called closing the door and i was like these are both actions I, the reason i chose the two songs is, is tying my shoes uh i liked when i because I, I remember her playing it all the time for and and it's this very like catchy poppy song okay and then you listen to it and it's it's about your partner abusing you oh god um, oh no when you actually listen to the words and and I don't. I don't want to give anything away about Caroline's life, but I. I. I'm pretty sure I know who. I'm pretty sure it's a song about someone. Oh and no! I know who that is. Oh no! Um, don't make it hot. Don't. And, don't and, let and it and slip I, on the podcast. Yeah, who no, it is? No, no, no. I. I will not say anything more than that because I don't want to step on Caroline's shoes anyway. But anyway, that song just it meant because it, it was like it's this like kind of like again like I said this cheery poppy song that she would play, and I loved it. And everyone would kind of like like the people who would come down to the show would like be dancing to it and stuff. Yeah. But then when you like listen to the words, sure. you're like, oh, that's really dark. That's the best kind of pop song, though, is when something is dressed up as a pop song, yeah. and then you dissect it a little, and it turns out to be like something really deep or about something really horrific. It's just kind of a surprise, and that's, yeah. I think, the sign of a good songwriter who can kind of find that contrast as a way to like slip something awful into something that people <laughs> are like, yeah, all right, yeah. oh, no, oh, my, what is this about? Well, and, and, and Caroline is this like adorably cute, kind of little girl yeah. who you would, you don't think like bad things should happen to people sure. to anyone really but yeah. like you'd think to her like you, they shouldn't happen to her and then it's like oh no she's she's like the rest of us like yeah bad things happen to all of us So what the closing the door? That was the other one that you picked. I I, I chose that one because I, I that was a song she wrote during her time at the Foreigner Bar, and uh, there's a a line in this uh, song where it says uh, I could see your face across the candlelit room, and uh, I just remember because it, it was Tom's idea, but we would we would light candles during her shows and put them across the table. Like oh we had okay. This kind of like uh, the high top tables. Um, we only had seven or eight of them with some stools. Um, to one of my shows I saw your face from the candlelight glow and my fingers forgot where to push in the knots of the wood and closing the doors never but Caroline shows were at least at that time not huge like 40-50 people would come to them sure. so we could put these tables out people would sit and watch, and so there's all these candlelights. And so okay. I asked her once, and she's like, I don't know if I wrote that line, 
from that experience, but sure. she's like, it's just part of, like, it came in. But I like to think that it came from, like, that that time, and it just was, I, she was she did a year of Thursdays after oh, Bo did. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and so, and those were when we'd put those, those candles out. And so did that, that kind of help get her kind of started or it you did. going? I mean, okay. She, a lot of her connections, I, I, Caroline, I think, did everything herself. Okay. Um, she really is a go-getter, and she really is. She's still active, right? Yeah. She's still, okay. Um, I think she she's called, she's not. I'm friends with her on Facebook, and she's like the Caroline now, or something like that is her name on Facebook. It like, it's and I, I talked to Arlen, who is her drummer for years. Um, recently, when Tom passed away recently, and yeah, I made yeah. some phone calls to old friends to let them know that that Tom was no longer with us. And um, I called Arlen, and he's I think he's in New York now. Um, and I you know said I said I don't I don't have Caroline's number anymore. Can you let her know? And, and Arlen's like, oh, we don't really. We, we, I don't play with her anymore, and we're just we kind of had a falling out, which is too bad because they were they were really close during the early years. But I think she's kind of doing her own thing now. Okay, um, she's still active. She's okay. still making music. Um, she kind of changes it up um, with each album. But I, I liked it. I have I have some old like demo albums of hers. Oh wow! Okay, um, which have both of these songs on. Like, okay, I have original. Wow, whatever you'd call them, you know, like they like the tie in my shoes one. Like she actually recorded in her dorm room on her apple laptop when she was playing shows you know at the okay bar. okay um and she's yeah she's she was just she was a lot of fun uh it was weird with her because like tim and i both really liked her music and so we'd go to her show like she would play occasionally like these other venues or these other things that she'd be offered shows to and tim and i would go and i think at first she was kind of weirded out because she was like at the time she was 20 and i was probably like 35 and she's like, why is the creeper like coming around to all my shows? <laughs> Until she realized like I just liked her music. <laughs> and like I liked her as a person. And uh I wasn't a creeper. I just liked her stuff. And then she was like, Oh, I'm I'm okay with you now. And uh I'm just a fan. I'm just just a here fan. just here just here with the tunes. And um, cool. So we're the last one now. Uh, and I have a, a very minor anecdote about this one. You picked a song by the Heartless Bastards. Oh, yeah. Great band name, by the way. Yeah. I never got into this band, but I remember when they were kind of like coming up um, in popularity in the early to mid 2000s. And I used to work at a, at a I had a desk job um, and someone in my office who was also named Jeremy. Excellent. Was really into this band and he always really wanted me to be into this band, too. And I'm like, nobody, not really. Yeah. But anyway, so I thought it was it was like not serendipitous that you chose this. But I was like, huh, do only people named Jeremy like this band <laughs> or...
Cause oh, I know me better than you will ever know. So why don't you just leave me, but please leave me alone. This is from their first album. This was this is, this is not kind of like indicative of their sound piano song. Yeah, no, it is kind of a different song than, yeah. than the rest of it, but it's my favorite song by them. So they're, they're like a like they were they're not really a thing anymore because she went solo. I think so. Erica was. Uh, I, she's like like their first iteration of the band that came to the Foreigner Bar. She was dating, I think she was dating the drummer. Okay. And then they had a bad breakup. That's a recipe so for disaster. The band broke up. And then she came back through with a new iteration of the band. And then I think something happened with between her and one of the guys in that band too. And they broke up. And so I'm not sure. I'm not in sure. Reading, what her... In reading the Wikipedia, which is where I go for all of the factual information, yeah. um, it's it she changes up the lineup quite a bit it doesn't get into the details if there was uh, a romance gone wrong or whatever but yeah the first album has different players than later albums and i think she has a solo album and i don't know if the heartless blasters are really still a thing anymore i don't know if they are or not but Uh, so this is from their first album and you so they obviously they came through uh yeah they played a number erica so she's she's this tiny tiny girl like she's super short like I, and not like weirdly short, just a very short girl. Sure. And uh, like the meekest voice, like like, like speaking she, voice. Yeah, speaking yeah. voice. Like she kind of just you know she's like, please, and you know like, but super nice. And she's kind of like shy and reserved, or at least she was every time I met her. Um, she likes it. I mean, she's not afraid to talk. She's yeah. just a more reserved person. Sure. And then she gets on stage, and she's got like you can hear from her voice, like she's got this monster voice. This is like an otherworldly kind of howl to it, yeah. which kind of lends itself to like the indie blues rock that they were playing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really surprising to hear that she has like a like is it a very, very quiet yeah. speaking voice, considering the kind of like howl. Well, and, and I remember sound check would take forever with her because like her voice is so powerful. Yeah. That like. The, the like the levels for the mic would just like was constant like like it was constant adjustment yeah like it was just yeah. she's just she howls yeah and uh yeah i i it's, you were speaking of the wikipedia page i actually one of my favorite stories that she told tom and i once is kind of mentioned on the wikipedia page but she told us kind of like the fuller version where it says on the wikipedia page that they were discovered by um the uh the Black Keys. Yeah, Patrick it mentions that like Keys. someone, like one of the Black Keys, and I don't really fuck with the Black Keys to begin with. I'm just going to put that out there. But yeah. it said that. I don't know that he, much about him. He, one of them got a, like a demo or like they were introduced or something and he like helped them get a deal with Fat yeah. Possum because they were on Fat Possum at the time. So Erica, the story that she told us. Yeah, it's not, that's not is, the real story. Is, well, it is. That's okay. kind of the real story. So, so uh, because they're they're both from Ohio. Yeah, yeah. It's it's they had the Heartless Bastards had this weekly gig at a pizza joint <laughs> where they got paid fifty bucks to play, kind of like after the dinner. Um, <laughs> I hope it was a family pizza place because how fascinating would that be to be like, well, hi families who are here with your kids and getting pizza. Tonight's well, musical guest, the Heartless, Heartless Bastards. Bastards. It was it was kind of like one of the, it, I, from what I it was like a, like a a pizza joint for dinner and then a bar. 
gotcha. later in the night, okay. kind of more converted to with some, you know, still food or whatever. I wasn't sure if it was like a Chuck E. Cheese that they just like threw the animatronic critters <laughs> off the stage the and curtains, took over. split up, yeah. split open. And, yeah. Um, but no, so she, they came down, they played late, like they played, you know, like 11, started at 11 or whatever. They played the late, you know. Best the time night. to start a show, and, 11 uh, o'clock. They came down to play the show. There was two people sitting at the bar. Yeah. The rest of the place was empty. The owner was like, like, hey, like, if you guys don't want to, like, load your gear in and get set up and play tonight, like, I'll still just give you your 50 bucks. And Eric is like, no, like, you're going to pay us 50 bucks. We're going to we're going to play the show. OK. They played their show and you know, played the hell out of the show. And uh, one of those two people was, was the guy from the Black Keys. There you go. And that's when he asked for a demo from them that he then gave. And so she said, she said, that's so that's what I tell every every band that ever asked me the best advice I can give is, is play every is, show. Yeah. Play every show. Never not play a show. Never say no. Like always play and always play it like you're playing to a full room. And not just one guy drinking alone yeah. at a pizza place after um, like near close. So I assume that story is true because she <laughs> told it to us. But I wasn't there, so I can't guarantee that. But it kind of fits with the, the you know, Wikipedia page. Like he's got he got their demo from somewhere. Like, why would he just randomly pick a demo if he didn't you know yeah no that i think i think the pizza thing is not in there maybe i should uh get a wikipedia account so i can slide through and adjust it adjust that i got strength in my mind i got strength in my soul and i will never fit fit into a mold because oh i know me better than you will ever know So why don't you just leave me Please leave me alone Please leave me alone So that is that is quite a trip down uh, a musical memory lane and when I was uh, telling my wife that you were going to be a guest on the podcast and I was like and he worked at the 400 bar for a long time she's like oh he will have some stories then and so this has been this is great like this is this this whole idea for the podcast just to like get to know my co-workers in a different setting and find out what tunes they're into and like the stories that they have associated with those tunes um, has been fun this has been like the most insightful as far as like you have like a legitimate history with like a lot of these people and you met these people and you were like a part of like the Minneapolis music scene, which is wild. Yeah. And now here we are in Northfield. Here we are. So why did you, so you took, you, you came to Northfield to take the job at the cow. So I, yeah, I, I came, Michael, Michael actually was working at the cow. Yeah. Morris at the yeah. Time and, and he introduced me to Norman, the owner. Um, and, and Norman was looking for someone to kind of manage the bar for him. Uh, and I had, more or less managed, you know, the foreigner for yeah. a number of years. And, and I was just, I think I just, I burnt out on Minneapolis. Like I, <laughs> I, my, my girlfriend now, Sarah, like she had kids in her twenties. Um, and so now she's kind of like in her thirties now and she kind of wants to like, now that her kids are a little older, like she wants to like kind of experience life and stuff. Whereas I'm like, I already experienced life. Like I did. There's nothing out there. There's nothing, there's nothing I want to go back to. Um, and I was just, I was drowning in Minneapolis. Like I, I found someone to take my condo and, and, uh, I had just kind of, I'd burnt out. I, uh, I served a minor at the 400 bar. Oh and no. Got a ticket for that. Oh so, no. Um, 
Tom couldn't employ me anymore because insurance wouldn't cover him if oh, he employed me anymore. No. So I, that was kind of part of the reason I moved. The bar was already in its last legs. Like that was sure. the last year before it closed. Okay. So I wasn't making much money there anyways. Okay. Nor was Tom. Uh, so it was a good time for me to go too. But at the same time, like I just wanted, I didn't want to bartend anymore. Yeah. Like, I was getting close to my 40s. And it's like, I do I really want to do a job that I don't start till 6 p.m. at night? That sounds um, awful. And I have grown as I've gotten older to like people less and less too. Of and course, so of course. It's hard to as like, one does. you know, it's hard, it's hard to serve drinks to people when you hate them. Disgusted yeah. by them. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is why you worked at the front end at the Cove for so long too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it, it was, it, it was the skill set. Like I, I realized working in the co-op was really not that different than bartending. And so <laughs> it's, it's just serving someone a different different type of wear. So. Yeah. Well, I was I you know because when I shopped at the Copen, I was just a shopper. I remembered you from the front end, and yeah. then like I like the front end people come and go, and when after a while, I was kind of like, what happened to that guy yeah. who had all the comic books and everything? And then when I started working there, I was like, oh, you have an office in the back. Yeah, doing I just, big I'm just things. In the back hiding, you're just you're just, just in the back. rising up in the world. Well, cool. Um, is there anything else you want to say about any I, of this before no, this we peace out? I would, I, I, you know, if you'd have me back another time, I've got a I've million got, more stories. I've got a million more stories, and I, and I was going through my my albums again last night, and I was like, why didn't I choose this one? Why didn't I choose this one? And so that's okay. This uh, is the thing. Is like, I mean, I don't want to stress people out when I ask them to pick songs for this, but I found that it does stress them out. Like everybody gets really anxious about it, which yeah. I'm just like, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have the same people back because like Leona also had yeah. like a mil- million stories and she spent months picking her list. And yeah. she said, like, if you ask me to do this again, I could tell you six different songs yep. and talk about six different things. Well, yeah, I'll let you I'll let you go through, you know, kind of your first round of people. For we'll a see. Bit, There's a then, lot uh, of people who are real shy about this. And then uh, if you need or if people you need... or people who just don't really listen to music, which I found. And I'm kind of like for real. So you're okay with just like your own thoughts, being alone with your own thoughts, and being in silence. What's up with that? Yeah. I uh, honestly, before before the final bar, I wasn't like I listened to music. Yeah. But I didn't really know that much about music. It's weird. But you didn't really listen to music. Like I I italicized that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I get. Yeah, I get it. And uh, it's one of the one of the things I like to share about working at the Foreigner Bar. People who've been there know, like, where the bar is, you can't really see the stage. No, you can't. You can't. Um, And so one of the things, the greatest things I think I learned there, and I think I might have told you this once before, too, is is that I learned how to listen to music, to live music, without seeing it. Yeah, yeah. Which has been a great great skill in some of the other shows. I had, honestly, in the almost decade now since I've left the Foreigner Bar, I think I've seen four live concerts maybe well the cow has live music all the time but i don't really that doesn't really concerts. count that doesn't count um but i've attended a few you know like i went to see the we are augustines like i mentioned earlier and, and a few others like that but i haven't seen live music but then i also think back to like i've seen more live music than probably most people because for 10 years of my life that was your job that was yeah. my job yeah. six five six nights a week yeah. was just listen to live music um so it's been it's it's interesting like i, I always i always say this to you like i i would never I would never want to do that job again, but the fact that I did it is like one of the most important things in my life. Okay, like it, it, awesome. it really shaped a lot of, of course, yeah, the way I am and how I how I perceive things, and it taught me so much about music. Like I didn't know stuff about music before that, and now now I do. I've gone on some tours with a few bands, and and you know, actually, 
played a, played a couple of shows. I, I played the triangle in a couple of shows. I was going to say, what what instrument do you play? I, I, I am not a musician okay. by any means, but I have played. I was actually on uh, Joe January, who's one of the old bartenders there. Joe O'Brien. I, he probably would hate that I'm telling you that's his real name, but Joe January is his stage name. Um, he played a show for. The concept of the stage name is just really funny to me. One of Joe's greatest comments ever was was there was a girl at the bar one night and, and this was before he worked there when he was just a musician was hanging out there and, and she said Joe January that's your not real not your real name is and he goes no my real name's Joe February <laughs> and uh, it was it was just delivered so well that I couldn't um, but Joe Joe had a band called Planes for Spaces and uh, they played um, although I think he might have done that under just his name because he had a solo album too. But he played a show on like it was like NBC this morning. It was a Saturday night morning show. We had to get up at like four in the morning and go to these studios and get prepared. And uh, Bo Kinsler was actually there. Michael Morris was there. Um, Tim, my friend Tim, who worked at the bar, was there too. And uh, but I played the triangle on that. Nice. And I didn't realize this. Like I actually bought a triangle and everything for the site, which I still have. But the show starts out because Joe had me like we practiced the night before, and he he wanted me to hit it at a certain yeah. beat. And uh, the show starts out. And I have the DVD somewhere at home, that, like a burned copy of the DVD of this morning show. But it starts out focused in on my triangle, and then it expands out. And my mom was actually, I told my mom that I was going to be on it, so she was watching that morning. So the first thing she sees is me. And, like, I'm probably, like, slightly intoxicated because we were drinking the night before of when course. we were practicing. And it's, like, 4 in the morning. Like, yeah. we didn't go to bed. We just yeah. went to Joe's studio, drank beers, and practiced. And then all went to, you know, this <laughs> new studio together. So I'm not drunk but i'm probably just kind of like hung over sobering up at four in the morning in this studio with a triangle with a triangle and uh everyone else is we all probably just smell terrible and you know that's amazing that's that's, that's it was it's the one with sven svensgaard yeah i know it was, who that it is was that show that yeah we met him he was really nice but of he's, course he's super tan like kind of leathery skin almost it was it was it was weird but he shook all our hands and thanked us for being there and that's awesome. Just probably wondering this, what the hell we were doing this there. This is so many good stories. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to yeah, slide no, down you. and re- relive all these moments in your life for the podcast. I'll uh, I'll tell the story about Kimberly Stewart the next time. You I don't know who that is. Uh, Rod Stewart's daughter. That is something you should say for the next <laughs> episode of the podcast. <laughs>